Sky Carumba, July 16 to 22. Mars and Venus are easy sights in the evening sky this week. The red planets east of or above Regulus in the heart of Leo on Sunday night. The goddess is south of or below the star. Venus and Regulus are 3.5 degrees apart on Sunday, the closest they'll get. Mercury is an evening object too, but it's a lot harder to spot. It's below Mars and Venus. Mercury's in Cancer, which the sun is close to going through. The messenger planet is best seen from around 10 to 20 degrees south latitude. That's where it's highest above the horizon as it gets dark. By Tuesday evening, when a thin waxing crescent moon is approaching Mercury, it'll be obvious that Mars and Venus are moving away from Regulus in different directions. The Mercury-Moon pairing will be easier to see on Wednesday evening, On Thursday, the moon joins Mars, Regulus, and Venus. That's the day Venus begins retrograde motion. The sun is already catching up to it, but now Venus will actually start heading toward the sun. A very pleasing alignment is in store on Saturday evening, as long as you're not observing from too far north. Mars, Regulus, and Mercury will be almost evenly spaced in a line. Venus will be south of Regulus and will make a neat triangle with the other two planets. At about 38 degrees north latitude, Venus and Mercury have the same altitude above the horizon. Now, Venus is easy to see, but you may need binoculars to see Mercury to the right of it there. Mercury will be close to the horizon as it gets dark enough to finally be found. North of 38 degrees north, Mercury is a little higher to the right, but darkness takes longer to set in, so the planet's even closer to the horizon when you finally see it. Buildings, hills, clouds, trees, and many other things could spoil the view of astronomical objects near the horizon. Most people in the middle northern latitudes will have to carefully pick their viewing spots to find Mercury. If you can safely look from the top of a building or hill, that can help. You may need to look for a spot where there aren't any city lights in that direction. The moon starts this week a day before new at northern Lunastus, 27.9 degrees from the equator, and ends the week a few days old on the west side of Virgo. It'll cross the equator going south on Sunday the 23rd. In the meantime, it goes through perigee, 406,300 kilometers away. Next week, first quarter is on Tuesday when the moon's still in Virgo, near the bright star Spica. Saturn rises in Aquarius in late evening. It's near the approximately fifth magnitude star Sigma Aquarii, which is about 265 light years from us and is actually a double star. The two stars are just 3.7 arc seconds from each other in the best views. Jupiter continues its morning appearance near the head of Cetus the sea monster. It rises a little after local midnight. Uranus is somewhat close to them, and the Hyades V rises before dawn. Pluto's at opposition on Saturday the 22nd. It's 33.8 astronomical units from us. The dwarf planet is in that space between Sagittarius and Capricornus. Pluto has five moons. 
Charon was the first known, some people pronounce it Charon. In 1978, astronomers James Christie and Robert Harrington were observing Pluto from the U.S. Naval Observatory site in Flagstaff, Arizona. They were trying to improve what was already known about Pluto's orbit. Christie felt that Pluto appeared strangely elongated in the photos. He concluded it's not because of Pluto having a strange shape, but because of a satellite orbiting Pluto every 6.4 days. Christie named that satellite. Pluto was an ancient Greek god of the underworld, and Charon was a ferryman who took souls into Pluto's realm. NASA says Christie also liked the fact that the first four letters were the same as in his wife's name, Charlene, and that's why he pronounced it Charon. Pluto and Charon are tidally locked. They orbit each other around a common center of gravity, and the same sides always face each other. If you could look at the sky from Pluto, you'd always see Charon in the same place, or you wouldn't see it at all. Charon has about half the size and one-eighth the mass of Pluto, and Charon is roundish like Pluto. It could be a dwarf planet by itself. None of the pictures of Pluto available in 1978 were great. They were all from ground-based telescopes and couldn't see much more than a small blob. So a good question is how anybody could be sure that there were two objects and not just one with an unusual shape. The first answer came from mathematics. Harrington calculated where the bulge should be if it was something orbiting Pluto. And Christie measured where it was in photographs going all the way back to 1965. Everything matched and it was all different than if Pluto were a strangely shaped mass. I don't claim to understand the mathematics. I have to take other people's word for it that the results worked out the way they say they did. In 1978, some people who didn't get the math still had their doubts too. And the second proof came in 1985, when Harrington predicted the two bodies would be oriented just right to eclipse and occult each other several times. Observations confirmed those predictions. Better telescopes, including the Hubble Space Telescope, eventually resolved them into two objects, and in 2005, two more objects were found orbiting Pluto. Nix was named for the Greek goddess of night, although her name is misspelled N-I-X instead of N-Y-X. That's supposed to avoid confusing it with the asteroid Nix, which is spelled N-Y-X. Hydra was named for the multi-headed serpent that guarded the underworld in the old Greek stories. Even more moons were found later. Kerberos, discovered in 2011, is named for the dog that guards the underworld. Styx, discovered in 2012, is named for the river to the underworld. The New Horizons spacecraft sent back pictures of all of these worlds in 2015, and they are shown as discrete objects, so that should end anyone's doubt that Pluto has natural satellites and isn't just a strangely shaped world. Well, I suppose someone could claim the photos were faked, and that reminds me, this week it's been 54 years since people first walked on the moon. Sky Caramba.